Welcome to Corrod Core from Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish in Wadsworth, Ohio, with Father Patrick Schultz and Chris Serger, where we share heart to heart on topics of faith, culture, and life in the church. Again, <laughs> oh, so good! I'm so excited. This is this is going to be such an awesome episode. For those of you who are joining us, Bat, welcome to Corrod Core. I'm Father Pat Schultz, parochial vicar. Uh, I'm going to add it, extraordinaire, <laughs> Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish in Wadsworth, joined by my good friend Chris Serger, the layman. The layman. I am a layman. We got to think of a better way to transition into that. I think, or maybe I'm, that's just going to be good. Maybe Chris Serger. Uh, Listener to Father Pat's homilies, something like that. Hmm. I don't know. Well, well, yeah. What a title. <laughs> anyway, well, gosh, this is uh, this next chapter of the book that we've been uh, unpacking, Death on a Friday Afternoon, guys. This chapter three. If you've been reading with us, I just imagine that uh, you also probably have every paragraph, every line. Underlined and starred, much like Chris and I, our books. It's just like, what to pull from from this chapter? It's just so beautiful. It's oh just my, so good. I, absolutely. So I, this is one of the ones that um, I'm a big Mary guy, which a lot of Catholics are, but I really have become one over the last number of years. I've really started to explore. What was the transition for? Like, when did that kind of happen? It was really when the Fatima story hit my radar, and I really started to understand her message for us and who she is and it's just so near to us i mean 1917 is not that long ago no. uh and the fact that sister lucia was alive even till a couple of years ago so yeah like, and i've seen i've been to the shrine of uh, our lady of guadalupe in mexico really? city yeah i've seen the 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 tilma uh it's incredible and it's when did you when did you see that 2007 i took care of there her uh, best friend shauna and her husband they lived in mexico city and so we went down there and we went to See our the 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 Tilma and it's it's incredible, oh my but it it was really when the Fatima story hit me. So like I've really just you know there are a lot of us that have a real deep devotion to Mary, but mine has really grown. And then the other, as I, uh, Maximilian Colby's feast day is my birthday. Oh, is it really? And he was certainly a Mary guy. Like oh my that's, gosh, yeah, he his was. His whole life yeah. was devoted to it. So I think there's just all this going on. So when we come to this chapter, oh, yeah. which is. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Jesus' third word from the cross. You're like, okay, I'm yeah. ready for it. Yeah. You know. Oh, my gosh. So what? what is this? Uh, for those of you who haven't maybe read this chapter with us so far, um, you want to give like a sort of little like outline of where we're going or what your thoughts are? Yeah, I was trying to make notes as we went through this. And because there's so much in, in Newhouse, it's such a rich book. And he goes back and forth and he's referencing things that were in the first two chapters. But there's this idea that it had to be Mary. Mm. You know, it. There's. I was joking with you before. There's something about Mary. You know, <laughs> this movie that from the late 90s that a lot of people, some people are going to go. Is from the 90s? I think so. Oh, my gosh. I know, we're old. Um, ben but it, it had to be her. There was something... And Newhouse says this, and you know, there's a there's a thusness and a soness about things. God is about specificity. Yeah. It was this girl 
in this period, in this place. Yeah. And just like Jesus was, he's 100% human. Like, it's he's Jesus. It's not a different guy who's Jesus. It's this Jesus, right? Yeah. And so, like, there's that element. And then there's that their whole relationship of what, and I think as a, as a Catholic, we, start, we struggle with this whole idea of surrender. Like, what does that actually mean, right? There's two surrenders going on here between Jesus and Mary. Um, but then there's there are those really difficult passages in the Gospels where it's like Jesus is sort of pushing his mother aside. Mm. That's what they look like on their face. And so there's the surrender, but then that, the realization of like what those things actually mean. And then the last main theme here I took was like, this is why she is our mother. Yeah. Like she understood all this. She and she did more. More importantly, she did it. And therefore, this is why. Literally, all of us are entrusted to her. You know, through Jesus's third word on the cross. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of like where that's maybe that's where we're going in this podcast episode. <laughs> Who knows where we're actually going to go? That's where maybe we intend to go. A few thoughts, I guess, that I want to share here at the outset. Um, there is uh, something so beautiful about like that Jesus in the like the ultimate act of his life, right? His whole life was leading up to the cross. That that Jesus, like one of the words of this great sermon on the cross is about his mom. Um, oh, so like, like when we talk about Mary, um, especially as Catholics, if anybody's listening who maybe is struggling with what the Catholic Church teaches or thinks or believes about Mary, um, like we're just trying to follow Jesus here. Like we, we can't honor Mary more than Jesus. Jesus was a good devout Jew which means that he perfectly kept the commandments, which mean that he, means that he perfectly honored his father and mother, which means that for him, like, he honored Mary. And, like, this podcast is in many ways, right now today, we are, like, honoring this woman. Um, anything that the church says about Mary, teaches about Mary, defined about Mary, is ultimately something that we're trying to say or defend or define about Christ, Right? Um, she is the, as the church fathers called her, you're going to love this. She is the crusher of all heresies. If you get Mary wrong, you're going to get Jesus wrong. If you get, if you get what we believe about her right, you'll get Jesus right. Um, I, we were saying before the podcast, but no Mary, N-O Mary, no Jesus, N-O Jesus. But if you K-N-O-W Mary, no Mary, you will know Jesus. Um, Fulton Sheen put it this way. He said that, like Mary's light is is all she's a reflected light. She's like the moon. She has no light of her own, right? Everything that she gives to us uh, is just a reflected light. And um, how beautiful it is that her last words were, "Do whatever he tells you." And I mean, when she came to the children of Fatima, like, what was her message? It was essentially just a distillation, you know, or an expansion of "Do whatever he tells you." Right. Um, so. Uh, this is where I want to kick us off in this podcast, where we're talking about there's something about Mary. It had to be her. Um, I was so struck at the very beginning of this chapter on 72, the uh, um, where he's talking about, he's bringing back, Newhouse is bringing back the words from Genesis, what we call the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. That's what that word means, the Proto-Evangelium, the first proclamation of the gospel comes in the first pages of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 when the Lord says to the serpent that your head's going to be crushed. Your head's going to get crushed. Um, 
and in particular by a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman's seed. Through the woman, your head's going to be crushed. And what's funny, too, when you look at all throughout salvation history, especially the Old Testament, the, the figure of like the woman who crushes the, the enemy's head appears as this motif all throughout the Old Testament. Um, Sisera has his head crushed by one of the, I think it was Deborah. Um, or there's this one guy who gets a tent peg blasted through his skull while he's sleeping at night. I think it was Jael or whatever her name was. Um, it's just like the woman is crushing the enemy's head, right? So the proto-evangelium, but how he connects that, that Mary, the seed of the first Eve, acknowledged by Christians as the second Eve, watches as Satan does his worst to her son. Mm. Like the fulfillment of what came at the very beginning of the Bible, that like he will bruise your heel, Right. What's worse, a, a bruised heel or a crushed head? Yeah, I'll take the uh, bruised heel. Yeah, right. Like the bru- it's, it's a temporary thing, right? So like our Lord resting in the tomb temporarily right. is bruised, so to speak, but the enemy's head is crushed. I just love that. I love how Newhouse kind of brings back some of these. There's just some connections that I never really thought, you know, like of just of thinking about Mary looking at Jesus on the cross. Like, was she thinking about Simeon's words? Simeon's right. words coming back to her at the cross. Right. That through, like, like a sword will pierce you on the cross. Right. Uh. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, right after the passage just did, he says, uh, did she know as she stood there by her dying son that this was the way of the, what Newhouse calls throughout this chapter, the title, this is the way of the strange glory by which he would conquer sin and death. We do, we do not know. I always think back to, you know, the, the Christmas song, right? Maybe, did you know? Uh, yeah. And I've always not liked that song. Before, yeah, me neither. Because I'm thinking, like, she knew. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she knew. Yeah. Yes. 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 There was Stop more... singing, Clay Aiken. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was more in the conversation at the Annunciation than recorded uh, in the Bible. I'm sure she had some other questions. Uh, and, and I'm sure there are lots of conversations between... She, Mary and her son, where there was an, a knowledge of how this was all going to go. So, uh, yeah, Mary knew. <laughs> just, just, yeah. When you kissed your little baby, did you know you were kissing the face of... Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. The angel told me. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, one of the, the, the things that we were talking about is like that... You know, it had to be her. There was something specific about this woman. And what I love about this and uh, this whole chapter, and and Newhouse, I think, does a good job of keeping this from becoming like the classic Catholics are obsessed with Mary discussion. Right. But he goes back to the very, very beginning. St. Ignatius of Antioch. Yeah, right at the beginning. He was a disciple of John the Apostle, the one to whom... Jesus says, son, behold your mother. Like Ignatius of Antioch knew that John. And he, Ignatius of Antioch, before he was eaten by the lions, he calls Mary's virginity, her conception, and the Lord's death the three great mysteries of the Mm. Christian faith. Like, again, this honoring of Mary, it's from the beginning. Yeah. Meaning, like, from the very beginning of the Christian tradition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, like I said at the beginning, no Mary, no Jesus. Right. No Mary, no Jesus. Um, he, he brings it up later in, in this chapter, but the church fathers have called Mary um, 
oh, I just love all these big phrases. The the nexus mysteriorum. Ooh, that's a good word. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. That'd be a good like prog rock band name. Should we have like a we should have a vocab quiz at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Okay, quiz. Nexus Mysteriorum. The nec- the nexus, like the the co- the convergence of all the mysteries. It converges on her. Um, she's the place where uh, it all happens. You know, have you seen have you seen Hamilton? No, but I've listened to it and I read the book it was based on. But go ahead. Oh, there you go. So you know the song where I want to be in the room where yeah, it yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. She is the womb where it happens. Oh. She is the womb where it happens. That's, that's, I mean, everything, all of salvation history is drawing towards her. Um, gosh, and I, so you're talking about, like, it had to be her. It had to be her. Uh, I just want to read this passage where it's just, you get a glimpse of, of Mary in a way that, like, I think Catholics tend to not think of her just because of the beautiful artwork that we do have. There's, you know, a tradition of making Mary look like this porcelain statue, you know, resting on a cloud bank whose feet never really touched earth and she probably never had to digest food and like maybe Mary probably never had gas you know like that's I think how most Catholics think of this woman this was a wild very human woman but like but for us to think of Jesus is to think of Mary from her he received his humanity his Jewish humanity here we go the color of his eyes the cut of his nose that odd way of smiling oh she potty trained him, taught him his first words, encouraged his first steps, kissed his scuffed knee and made it all better, picked him up in the dark of nightmare, t- nightmare nights and told him everything will be all right, even as she pondered prophecies about piercing swords and, wound- and wondered at the meaning of a king from the east who presented his royal gift of myrrh for the birth, or was it the burial, of her lovely child. She accompanied the strange glory to the temple. I like how that's how she refers to him. Mm-hmm. Like, or that's how Newhouse refers in some ways to Jesus. He is like the strange glory, this humble glory. She accompanied the strange glory to the temple where the prodigious 12-year-old dazzled his elders with his learning. She was there for his first miracle at the wedding of Cana when he turned water into wine. They could not have been closer, Jesus and Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starred, underlined, in the margin says, read this. Read this. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, yeah, that, that I've, I've always loved this, that the color of his eyes, the cut of his nose, that odd way of smiling, it just puts that human face on Jesus that, again, is even harder for us to sometimes, not to get off topic, but I just had a, we have a, a Catholics uh, group at my company, and we meet once a month, and we were talking about the Chosen series. Oh, and yeah. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Um, but that are you, are you, are you finished? I finished it. It's so, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> but the Jesus in there, he's so human. So human. And th- that humanity comes from Mary. Yeah. He had no other earthly parents. Yeah. Literally, it all comes from her. And like, what a what, what a. You wonder how many people like saw him running around in Nazareth and go, "You look just like your mother." He's yeah. like, "I know. People I know. tell me that all the time. I get that all the time." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The cut of his nose, the odd way of smiling. Yeah. I mean, this this is this is getting into just the it's the crazy I mean, it's the crazy claim at the heart of our faith that like God the second person of the Trinity, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, like became a man. Like 
and he, I mean, he gets into this in this chapter, like the Docetists were wrong, the Gnostics were wrong, the Monophysitists were wrong. Like all the, all, and like I have great sympathy with these heretics. Like I have such sympathy with them because like what they were trying to do is they were trying to like make it more palatable. Right. Like I could, I could maybe stomach a God who came down and was like, okay, I'm just going to appear human, mm-hmm. but I won't really become human. I'm God after all. But like what we claim is that no, he actually became through and through human, right. which means that he like God at one point smelled like a newborn baby. Yeah. That's astounding. Right. Astounding. And he had scraped knees. And, that needed to be kissed. And no doubt, like as a child, again, Jesus didn't sin, but like had to be corrected. Yeah. Right? Mary had to teach him. He didn't just walk around like, I don't need a mother. He yeah. obviously did. If he didn't need a mother, he wouldn't have had one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, don't touch that hot thing. Yeah. Don't put that in your mouth. Right. Don't lick the cat's tail. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus would not have had a cat. We all know that. Yeah, that's probably true. They're <laughs> definitely from the devil. And we just turned off a lot of cat <laughs> cat owners. But <laughs> no, come back right uh, now. Yeah, th- there's just there's so much in here about uh, that. She's just she's so amazing, and but she always is pointing to him. You know, even so, you just read the the wedding feast of Cana, right? Yeah. And first of all, it shows that he's a good boy. He listens to his mother. Yeah. She's like, "What do you have to, What is it, woman? Yeah. It's not my hour." Uh. And then she's like, "Jesus, they're out of wine." Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Fine, I'll do it. Right. Yeah. And then her last words: "Do whatever he tells you." Yeah. That's it. And uh, I, I always wonder, you know, like she obviously said more than that, and the gospel. You get glimpses of this, but as this, these throngs were growing around Jesus, she was in that throng. Oh right? yeah, she was following him, and there, there are even the passages, and I won't be able to quote them, but where she's like, still being a mom, like making sure that he had a place to stay and stuff. Right? Yeah. She's always playing that role up until the very end, and then she's one of the three standing there. Yeah. What I think is so beautiful too. So like. Right in this section of the chapter, Newhouse brings in this other theme that I think is so... I, I just don't know if I've ever really thought about it or really prayed into it before. Um, maybe in some ways I have, but the... So despite how close Jesus and Mary were, and, like, no one was closer to Jesus. No one was, like... I mean, those of you who are listening who are moms, you've had the, you know, the incredible privilege of bearing life, of carrying life within you. You know that bond. It's it's. There's nothing closer. And... And just like every mom, like the moment that cord is cut, there is an immediate distancing. Like, um, and that's what Mary experienced too. Like, the, that phrase that comes off as so harsh, like, woman, mm-hmm. what does this concern me, right? It's a bad translation. The Greek is much more like, what to me to thee? Like, what is there between you and me in this, in this regard? And the fact that he calls her woman is not a, like, I, I mean, because of our cultural context, I would never refer to my mom as woman <laughs> unless, like, I'd be getting ready to be slapped, you know. Um, but the, when he refers to Mary as woman, gunai in the Greek, it's hearkening back to her, her deeper identity as the new Eve, the first woman, the first gunai, 
This one at last, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, this one shall be called woman. And when Adam was saying that, he wasn't saying it like, 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 it wasn't like he was naming her like he was naming all the other things. It was coming from this deep place of the dazzlement and wonderment at, like, the beauty before him. So Mary, she's always Jesus' mother, but on the level of, like, the mystery, she is the mystical bride. She's the new Eve. And, like, here, just at the beginning, right, at a wedding feast, the bridegroom and the bride are present. Just like we'll see at the end here on the cross, Jesus refers to his mother again as woman. As Fulton Sheen says, every time Jesus refers to his mother as woman, it's at a wedding. Oh, that's big. It's really big. Yeah. It's really big. And what he, what the, the sign that he gave at Cana, like this sort of temporary gift of miraculous wine, Jesus gives at his hour on the cross. When he says, my hour has not come on the cross. He's giving the wine of like pouring forth from his side, the wine of God's love, right? And we drink that. We consume that. Mm. That's when the hour comes because that's when the wedding is. That's when the bridegroom is meant to provide the new wine of the new covenant. And yes, she knew. And she knew. Mary, <laughs> Mary did you know? Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. So right there, Newhouse says uh, on those lines, is it too much to think that now... In her time of travail at the cross, that Mary gives birth to the faithful. So, taking what you just said, so Eve gives birth to humanity, right? Yeah. yeah. Mary is the new Eve, and now here at the cross, she's being, she's giving birth to the faithful. Because yeah. Jesus is entrusting John, and uh, Newhouse talks about this, and you're like, the the John that is Jesus, right? Yes. He talks about how he's saying. By his death and by us being baptized into his body, John at the cross, John is Jesus. Like Jesus lives in John, right? Yes. That's true of all of us who have been baptized. Yeah. So he's yeah. saying, yeah. he's not saying, John, I give you my mom, Mary. Yeah. He's saying, woman, I give you my son. Yeah. And here's your son. Yeah. Who is me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Therefore, Mary is our mom. Yeah. You yeah. can't deny that. And, and Newhouse talks about that. He goes, uh, uh, he quotes St. Augustine, Holy is Mary, blessed is Mary, but the church is more important than the Virgin Mary. Why is this so? Because Mary is part of the church, a holy and excellent member above all others, but nevertheless a member of the whole body. So she gives birth to the body there. Yeah. Uh. Just like pause. We're like floating over here. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a big one. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what's so beautiful about, like, Mary's motherhood is, I don't know if this is what Newhouse meant when he was bringing this up in this chapter, um, but this whole, this whole motif, this theme of, like, the distancing, that Mary had to be distanced from, like, that sort of biological, natural relationship that she had with Jesus so that she could then embrace the divine, mystical motherhood that she has for all of believers, Right. I, I was really pierced by this on, on 77, um, the bottom of 77. Mm. Mary, you were so close to the child, closer than anyone else could possibly be, and now it seems that you are shut out, put down, pushed to the margins. It seems he has no more time for you, even when it comes to taking care of him, to doing the big and little things that a mother wants to do, making sure that he has enough to eat, 
and that his robe is mended, it seems that you are excluded. In Luke 8, we hear, this is the part that really got me. In Luke 8, we hear about the holy women who followed him and who provided him, and your name is not on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if my mom's listening to this podcast, but that made me think of my mom a lot. Um, like Mary's often got the title Mary, the mother of priests, you know, and I think about my, my own mom, how like my entire life she had been providing for my needs. And like, like those of you who are moms who are listening, I mean, that is, that's one of the most beautiful things in your heart as a mom to, um, to provide for your sons and daughters, to meet them in their needs. Mm -hmm. And part of the distancing is like, when you do your job well, as a mom, like, there comes a day when you don't have to cut your kid's food anymore, or pick out his clothes, or tie his shoelaces, or, like, you know, and when, in most people's vocations, like, like, people get married, and like, like, you go, you, I mean, I don't know if you do your own, your own laundry, but like, like, what a gift to have, like, a spouse do laundry for you. Like, to be taken care of by your wife as a husband. A bit like, as a priest, though. Like, I don't have a wife. Right. Um, but, like, out of the goodness of the church, I've got all these other wonderful people who take care of my needs. I just It just made me think of my, my... It made me think of my mom in a way that I hadn't before. And just, like, there's a real suffering of, like, I, I would love to take care of your needs still. Oh, it just was, like, just so powerful. But at that same time, I want to take care of your needs. And he says, says, Mary learned the hard love of letting go, the love that is forged and surrendered to a love greater than our own, the love that grows beyond all possessing. So we'll get to that. But I had the same thought as you, and I I remember this pretty vividly, and I know my mom's going to listen to this. Um, But I remember (laughs) I remember getting dropped off at college. Oh, yeah. And that was, there was that moment, you know, Oof. where after that, that last basket of uh, junk is taken up to your 8 by 8 dorm room, right. you know, without air conditioning. And, uh-huh. um, and I remember being like, I was excited. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm at school. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready. Like, let's go. Yeah. And I, I remember my parents, I was like, you can go. I'm good. Yep. You know? Yeah. But there's that moment, and it's got to be just magnified infinitely more with Mary seeing that her son is going to this hour, which is for the salvation of the world, and she knows that. Yeah. But still, that that letting go that she experienced has got to be just infinitely more than like what we as parents or what my parents, every parent who drops their kid off at school or whatever it is when they move out of that house. Yeah. There is that you were successful that they can now take care of themselves and they are moving on, but you have to let go. Yeah. That's that surrender to just the way our lives are. And that's what Mary was doing. Is yeah. She's surrendering to a will greater than the bond between her and her son. Like there's some moments that, I mean, certainly happened in the life of Jesus, but I think that they were just so beautiful and so ineffable that they couldn't have been put in words, you know? Or like, I wonder if, if Luke asked Mary, um, hey, what, what was that like the night like Jesus's last night in Nazareth before he had to, before he left. Um, you know, like, what did you guys do? what did you talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys go for a walk? Were you sitting on the back porch of the house? Like, like, what was that like the next morning? Did you make him breakfast? What did you make him? Like, what did he ask for? You know, like, 
like how, what was that hug like and i just i just like can see mary just saying i i couldn't even i couldn't even explain it yeah. which is why i don't think we have it in the gospel or like i also don't think like you know that jesus visited his mom first in the resurrection and I just think it was such a beautiful encounter that there's just no way it could have ever been put into words. Yeah. Which is why we don't have it in the gospel. That's why we don't have it. We have what we need, you wonder. Yeah. In the scripture, we have what we need, right? We would probably be just so overwhelmed by it, we couldn't even. And, but to think, you know, the promise of heaven is real, like, we'll see that someday. Oh, yeah. We'll get to see what that was like and experience it. Yeah. You, I almost don't want to steal from you, but it's exactly what you just said. Once his public ministry had begun, you finish it. You got it? Jesus had nowhere to rest his head, and Mary had nowhere to rest her heart. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary, you know, what Simeon said at the beginning just like became more and more true. Um, she was pierced and she was, um, she was not the victim of a, of a cruel, unfeeling son, but she was just, she had to constantly, she said her big fiat at the beginning to Gabriel, and she had to keep whispering these fiats all throughout her life and all throughout Jesus's life. Um, what's a fiat? Yes. Her yes. Her Yes. Yeah, and I'm sure there was times where it was like with just joy and exuberance and other times it just trembled in her voice like, I will say yes to this. Mm -hmm. um, can, actually, the whole idea we keep joking about, Mary, did you know, it makes it that much more powerful. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to go, I'm the mother of God, however that happened, right? And I know he's here to free us from our, our bondage of slavery, uh, slavery to sin. But I don't really know how that's going to happen. You know, he hasn't yeah. really told me. So I'm just sort of trusting him. Yeah. It's far different when she knows what's going to happen on Calvary and she continues to say, yes. Yeah. Go. Yes, go. Yeah. Yes, go. Yeah, like, you know, she, she free from... Free from original sin, she she did not have a darkened intellect. She, you know, so like when she would ponder the scriptures and ponder these mysteries, you know, I'm sure she made the connections. I'm sure she saw, oh gosh, he's the suffering servant. Oh gosh, he's the lamb. Like, he will be the pierced one whom they will look upon. He's going to be the one who will bear Israel's guilt away, humanity's guilt away. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. he's going to fulfill the sign of Jonah. He will be dead for three days. Like, he who's, who, who is hung on a, on, on a tree is, is a curse. I'm, sh I'm sure she saw it. Right. I'm sure she saw it. Um, yeah, like, yeah, her pondering these things in her heart, like, it wasn't just her going, oh, that's interesting. What's for dinner? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, she, exactly. it was like, I think the word in Greek is it's like it's it's reminiscent of like rocking these things back and forth. Like she was I mean like how moms have that sort of mom sway. Yeah. Like Mary had just was swaying these thoughts back and forth in her heart. Uh yeah, the the surrender to the will of the Father because she knows what the outcome is. 
And this brings Newhouse, because this whole thing's not about Mary, it's about like, how, what's our response to it? Uh, and he, this is where he starts to go into like the surrender to the cross. Like, what does it mean? And he has this great thing here. Ladies, you should keep listening, even though I'm going to say this. But he, he says, men and women, I expect men more than women have always been scandalized by the cross. Yeah. The way and power, the way of power and wisdom of God is not the way of our power and our wisdom. And he goes on, he's talking about this whole, this was written in 2000, but it's still just as applicable today, that this whole idea of, you know, self-empowerment and, you know, just all of our individualization and our uh, self-affirmation that we, we are so into in this country, uh, especially. But he says, in all of our promotion of empowerment, fulfillment, self-esteem, and self-actualization, we should know what we are doing. We are rejecting the very heart of what it means to be Christian. Do whatever he tells you, Mary said. What she said, she also did. And in her loss of her son, in her loss of herself, she knew Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. It's just one of those, I think back to like Isaiah, you know, God says, I'm doing a new thing, mm. right? And Paul says, uh, you know, I think it's Paul, how inscrutable are, are his ways. We just, we can't comprehend like why it had to be that way. But Mary got it. Yeah. And, she, and Jesus says, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. And Mary says, do whatever he tells you. Yeah. You know, you can almost picture like that. It's like the sort of the somber, like, just do whatever he tells you. Or it could be the stern mother, do whatever he tells you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't argue with it. Do it. Do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love that Jesus' command that's echoed through the centuries that we've just done is, do this in memory of me. Oh, okay. Why? <laughs> because probably Mary was like, well, what did he tell you? Right. Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> okay, we need bread, guys. You know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, that whole section there of like, the, the 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 struggling with the cross because the cross is insane like that's not how like a, a, the story of a god is supposed to go right. right god is not supposed to die on a cross he's supposed to end triumphantly and victoriously he's supposed to defeat his enemies like which he does spoiler alert but like <laughs> you know like they, we christianity like we have a crucified god you know um we have a god who lowers himself like, how can God, who is love, show his love in a fallen world to, to sinners who are in utter rebellion against him, other than, like, I will plunge to the depths of God-forsakenness. I will go lower. I will, I will reveal my power in my weakness. I will reveal my, my absolute sovereignty and my humility. That, like, right now, like, I don't know, 100 yards away from you and I sitting here recording this podcast, God is hiding himself He's made a prisoner. He's been. Ma he's made himself a prisoner of a tabernacle through love, like he's hiding himself in crumbs mm. in a tabernacle, crumbs that can be crushed, crumbs that can be dropped and spit upon. Like this is the folly of our God. This is the madness of God, who plunges into the icy depths of our human brokenness, to like get under all of it to lift all of it up. Ugh. And Mary was in the heart of it. Right. The nexus mysteriorum at the heart of it. Huh. Glory, glory. Are you still with us, people? Yeah, there's so much to go into here. Um, uh, you wonder, I, I, this would be a great like follow-up to The Chosen or something, but because they do such a good job of fleshing this out, it's like everything you just said there. 
the apostles did not. The song should be called Apostles Did You Know. Because they didn't. <laughs> you got to write that one. Right? Apostles yeah. Did You Know. Because they didn't. And no. you, you know, I think uh, tradition holds that, like, John was the youngest apostle, right? He yeah. Jesus is, he's the beloved disciple. But you wonder, and it says in the gospel, like, and John took her into his home. Yeah. What were those conversations about? When he was going, so, yeah, tell me. He told us this. Can you explain this to me? Yeah. Because I'm going to write a book about it in a little while. Right. <laughs> and you, you can picture her sitting over at the table. I'll tell you again, John. Uh-huh. You know? And you, this just that, that visual of, uh, again, her humanity, this specific woman, and given into the, the care of John and just like where all of this, all of this begins. It, it, all, it all begins there on Calvary. I love this. He, uh, Newhouse says this towards the end. This is that section where he's like the John who was Jesus. Mm-hmm. We are invited to believe that Mary spent her last years with John. Perhaps to use an old-fashioned expression, she kept house for him. Mm. How lovely is that? So great. We do not know. But we are invited to reflect that John, when he wrote about the word become flesh, lived under the same roof with the one through whom it happened. He lived with the, um, as one of my great mentors and teachers, uh, Christopher West has said, um, Mary is the hick of Christianity. And I don't mean like, you know, like H-I-C-K, hick. I, like <laughs> H-I-C, Latin for here. She is the place. She's the specific place. She's the, she's the place where God emptied himself. Um, uh, and John got to live with her. John got to experience life with her. Yeah. Um, and he discovered his priesthood through her. He discovered his fatherhood through her. And yeah, like those, that's so awesome. That thought of like, all right, Mary, tell me again, what was, what, explain that to me. Yeah. I don't think she ever probably tired of telling him. No. How could she? Yeah. I mean, like, that's what the rosary in my mind is. Like, like Mary was a great Jewish mom, the Mm -hmm. best of Jewish moms (laughs) who never tired of talking about her boy. Right. (laughs) You know, like she would, you know, she's got these five albums, photo albums on the shelf, you know. Uh, these or these four, you know, got the got the luminous mystery album. You got the the joyful, the sorrowful, the glorious, and she was like, "Want me to tell you about my son Jesus?" Yeah. You know, and you sit down on her lap, and she goes through the pictures. She's like, "Here we are. This was Cana. Now let me tell you, right?" <laughs> John Paul II said that to pray the Rosary is to contemplate with Mary the face of Jesus, and I'm sure that that's what John did. Mm-hmm. That's why his gospel is what it is. Yes, you know, um, not that there's anything lacking in the other three, but. Those obviously those first three they're called the synoptic gospels because they uh, they have a very similar perspective. You can just see how John, you know, like sitting with Mary for all those years, why his gospel would maybe have a different flavor. I want to get to this part about like because I've I've gotten this question loads of times from kids in the school and I've never really had I think like a really good answer. Um, well, let me give you one, Father. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> like, what if Mary had said no? Mm. I've always just said, well, we don't have to worry about that because she did. She said yes. <laughs> like that's why, like, and I'll, you know, like the questions of like, well, what if Adam and Eve hadn't taken of the fruit? Yeah, well, that's interesting to think about, but they did. So, uh, but I love his response 
You know, like, what if Mary had said no? Could, because the thought then becomes, couldn't he have just chosen, like, a different girl from Nazareth? Or couldn't he have made some other girl, like, okay, well, uh, we're going to have to make another Immaculate Conception, you know? Take two. Um, I love his response that, um, um, do you got it? I've got it right Okay, go for it. What if Mary had said no? Yeah. We might speculate that. In that event, God would have chosen some other young woman through whom to become a human being. The problem with that, of course, is that the child of any other woman would not have been this specific child, this Jesus of Nazareth, son of Mary. The word of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, did not become incarnate in humanity in general, but in this specific human being, Jesus. Specificity is all, I said. Yeah. Without Jesus, the story of salvation, if there was such a story at all, would be a very different story. And without Mary's consent, there would have been no Jesus. Moreover, her consent had to be freely given, for God does not violate the freedom of his creatures. This is what I so love about that answer. Um... So before before my dad married my mom, my dad was engaged to to somebody else, but he called it off. And um, I remember growing up and hearing the joke that like, like this other person would have been your mom, which is not true. Right. It's not true. Right. Like I would not have existed if it wasn't for that particular union of my mom and dad on that particular day at that particular time. Right. Another union, another day, another time, like, like I would not have existed, right. you know. Um, the it just gets into like the crazy odds of any one of us existing, mm-hmm. like, the the race that I won to get to that egg, beating out five hundred million <laughs> other competitors, like I won. I'm here. God wanted me here, and it like this is crazy too. Like, okay, so the, like, it couldn't. Jesus wanted to be incarnate in this woman who on that day was ovulating that egg. Mm. So you think about yeah. the Annunciation. I don't want to get, I don't know. This might, that, that, people might have just heard a record screech. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like when you think about how God has designed our bodies and the beauty and the glory, especially of a woman's cycle and fertility and all that stuff that like, Mary would have been, like what we know from, from natural family planning and all that stuff, that, that women feel the most beautiful on peak ovulation day. Like their voices sound the most beautiful. Like they just, they just feel the most beautiful. Like the peak of their fertility. Mary, who is the summation of all of creaturely receptivity. Like she is the mystical rose. She is all of creation opened up the peak of her fertility, that one egg ripened and released, and that's when the angel goes to visit her. And if it wasn't that day, if it wasn't her with that particular ovum, no Jesus. No Jesus. <gasps> then we're not sitting here. No, we're, we're, we're in big trouble. We're in big, big trouble. Yeah. Because her unique... The Immaculate Conception, which we don't have time to go into here, look it up. But again, there wasn't some flock of uh, other protected women sitting around who yeah. also were immaculately conceived in case Mary said no. Yeah. It's not how it worked. No. Um, yeah. And so, but her fiat, 
she did say yes. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. And then she's given to us as our mother. She's given to us as her mother. And I, I love Newhouse says this. Mary then did not lose her son on the cross. She gained sons and daughters beyond number. I looked it up. You know, give or take a couple billion. Roughly 108 billion people have lived on earth at one point. <laughs> That's an astounding thing. So Mary's a mother of 108 billion people. And uh, thank God for it. Wow. I just want to read the very last thing that Newhouse says, because we, we talk about how he always ends the chapters with just like, Come follow me, Jesus says. The invitation resounds through all time. There is, through all the time there is and ever will be, and all who respond in faith, all who exchange their eye for the eye of Christ who lives within them, make their way one way or another to the foot of the cross. There they find themselves with John and Mary and a host of bedraggled saints and sinners whose hour has come. And to each of the brothers and sisters in whom he forever lives, to each of us, Jesus says, Behold your mother. And to Mary, behold your children. Behold me. Mic drop. Yeah. Thank you, Richard John Newhouse, for destroying me yet again. Friends, thank you so much for joining us uh, for another episode here of Korod Core. As uh, we just like this was glory. This was like glory episode. Yeah, I and we didn't even, more like, than the so other much. two. This could be another ninety minutes, but we have to get to our becoming Catholic session here pretty soon. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And. Uh, well, to, sorry for another time. Our becoming Catholic at Sacred Heart this year has been so successful because of that lady we were just talking about. Yep. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week, bud. Mother, pray, sleep tight, my child. Sleep well, for I'll be at your side. Let no shadow, no darkness, no tolling bell